2022 recap. Go, Neil. <laughs> Starting in January. Okay, in, week one. In one paragraph or less. <laughs> Sum up the whole year. Yeah. Well, let's... In two words. Let's... let's Two words. I got it. Anas Haurabilis. Oh, yeah? I got two words. Clown shoes. Clown uh, shoes. Good, good one. I borrowed, I borrowed the Latin phrase used by mom, who, of course, passed this year. Yes. Um, Her Majesty. Um... No, yeah, it should be on the cover Time magazine. They should do it as well as, as a person of the year. They should do a theme of the year. And it should be the Time magazine that nobody reads really anymore, except for when they do their person of the year. And then they just look at the cover. It should have a theme of the year and it should be just a big pair of clown shoes. 2022 and then a pair of clown shoes. I agree. Yes. It's do you think it's... Uh, do you think the problem is, of course, there, I don't know, maybe some people listening to this don't think there's a problem, but I think most of them do realise that there's a problem, and I'm sure wondering what the source of the problem is. Uh, do you think the problem is, do you think it was always, people were always this clown shoey, that there have been a significant number of people uh, always in the population who are that um, kind of, you know, juvenile, juvenile. You know, just outright stupid. Can't think properly. Don't care to think properly. They're not interested in facts or truth. It's just how they feel. Or is it that it's got worse? I mean, is it the internet, the internet effect essentially that giving? You could say that there's always been that uh, a significant number of people of that nature in the population. But generally speaking, like most other people, they kept to themselves because they didn't have any platform. But now that you've... The internet gives all these people a platform. They can broadcast themselves into your brain. And is that distorting our picture of how screwed up the world is simply because the people who ordinarily would never have a voice suddenly have one? And it's... And it's it's not a very it's not a very nice noise. <laughs> it's quite uh, it's like Neil's on a chalkboard. Um, do you think that's the case, or do you think it's getting worse uh, objectively in in terms of society, like say Western society? Because we can only really speak about Western society and primarily, you know, to, to any great extent, Western mm. society. And, um, but do you think it's got it's, it's gotten more? Um, it's gotten worse. Divided, it's gotten worse. Uh, more, uh, people are more antagonistic, people are more anxious maybe, or more upset, or more angry, more just negative things basically. You know, people have gotten worse in that respect. Human nature has, got, has, has become, has, has the more negative aspects of human nature, has that been, have they been accentuated over the past X number of years? Compared to like say 20 years ago or more than 20 years ago. Yeah, definitely. You think so? Yeah, this isn't this. Uh, this is the whole, this is the observation versus objectivity right. question. Yeah, yeah. So, in space, are they seeing <coughs> more near near asteroids mm. and uh, meteor fireballs because mm. they're observing them more, or because there objectively phones. are more of them there? Because of cell phones. In that in that issue, it's actually the latter. There are more of them, but none of them none of them reporting this will, will admit to that. Mm. They always. Go for the no. It's just because we're better, we're smarter. At, well, more cell phones is what they say more cell primarily. phones for meteors, but for near Earth uh, objects, uh, okay. uh, uh, things out there mm. in, the, in the inner solar system, 
they said, well, that's because we're funding more. And they're not. The funding's gone way down. Mm. And they see more and more mm-hmm. every year. Yeah. There are now like 30,000 in this all. But so it, as it, above, it, so it's, below it's, then. It's observer versus, ob- yeah, objectively, they're the worst. And you can, mm. you can slice it a whole number of ways. But Yeah, because you, you see people with that take on, on social media all the time, that they, they project how they're feeling, what their, their narrow view, their narrow uh, frame of reference for things and how they feel about certain things and they project that onto the world and they say this is the way, you know, this is terrible, look at the state of the world because this is how I feel. Or they use one example of one person and then they use that as uh, to, to tar the whole thing, basically, you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, you know, you're one person talking from the UK, for example, or from the US or from anywhere in Western Europe, let's say one country, say it's UK, it's got 65 million people, you're talking about a small percentage of those people that you're referencing in your in your social media uh, um, message. And uh, you're forgetting about all the other people in the country. You're forgetting all, all the people in your part of the world. And you're forgetting about the large majority of the population who don't actually speak English, who don't care about anything that you're talking about. They don't even know about what you're talking about. Like the 1.5 billion people in China, the 1.5 billion people, close to 1.5 billion pe- people in uh, in, in India and all of Southeast Asia and stuff, you know, that's the majority of the population, the big majority of the population of the world. And they have no idea what you're talking about. They but don't see the world at all going in the way that you're... That you're I'm that pretty you're sure they're also complaining. About their own particular things. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's complaining. Yeah. That's, that's, and, and everyone <coughs> thinks that's they're sure that they're complaining about the issues. Right. So, so all this social stuff and my mess. prejudices and that kind of stuff where I see the world going bad because of my particular perspective on, on, on the way the world should be and I look at it, look at these other people are doing it wrong, let's say, and I'm complaining about that. And um, But there's a great... Th- that's, that's subjective. Mm. Could be, can be said to be subjective, but there's a great leveler, which would be things like energy, food supply... Um, well, mainly those two, really. Income, obviously, jobs, that kind of thing. That's across the world. The global economy, basically, uh, is is the thing that you could use as a reference for whether or not the world, you can talk then about the world in the, in, in that context. And security as opposed to war. Right. Well, it, it's <coughs> interesting. Materially, things have never been better. Right. And that includes for the what used to be called the third world. Right. Um, on, on the war security issue, never been better. There's fewer wars than before. Um, but something else is going on. For some reason, there's pressures coming into the system, in quotes, that's affecting everyone. Mm. And it seems primarily all it needs to do is affect <clears throat> those at the top, the elites, and then it rubs off or translates into power noise, fears, concerns, mm. powered by other elites just below them and so on, down and out through mm-hmm. society. Um, yeah, I think is it, it the, the question is sh- ought they should they be concerned given that materially things have never been better well mm. at least until a couple of years ago that's the strange part why in, if objectively materially more needs are being met than ever before are people why are people losing less their heads? less content um, yeah. and they're, they're well this is being discussed by you know, famously by Peterson he's talked about it with Pinker and others, um, and Peterson. But I think he, you know, we, he, he's he's he's. I think he's wrong about a lot of things, but I think he's correct overall in explaining that it's to do with meaning. You can give people all the material comforts they want, but 
they don't know they, they don't have meaning anymore for a narrative as a story that mm. makes sense come at their core maybe that's it maybe that even isn't even deep enough mm. i don't i don't know why is it that core narratives are falling apart why didn't they just keep on working along with material benefits mm. and then everything would be more or less fine mm. instead it's just this thing well i don't know what the metrics are but it does seem like people are getting really really crazy because mm. I, I like that road rage <coughs> is going way up um, yeah i like to kind of get a get stress level i like to get out of my own head as often as possible in terms of the way i'm looking because i'm looking at the world and i'm looking at it from various different aspects and various different metrics on, on the globe and I'm, I'm seeing a certain picture you know that it's it's all going wrong but i from my perspective right that it's, there's something really really that we're on a downward slope here um but I, I remind myself that you know i have to i have to remind myself that that's a lot of that is based on my perspective my personal subjective perspective on how the world should be working how the world should go what you know what should be happening in this particular area what should be happening in this particular area from, from, from the point of view of um uh, um, again, from my perspective, what would produce a just, happy, content, stable society? And I see various different aspects that are going in the opposite direction, and I, I see kind of problems in the near future, and I, uh, and I don't like that picture that I present for myself. But then I go, well, hang on a minute, maybe I'm just biased. And then I try and I go and I poll, in a certain sense, other people to see what, what they're saying. And then I, but I see a lot of conflict from them as well, people from, let's say, from the, who would have the opposite perspective, political social, um, economic, whatever perspective to me, and they're complaining as well. They think it's all going wrong as well, but from their, uh, from their own per- point of view, mm-hmm. you know, um, and obviously their solutions to what should be done about it are different from mine. Um, but everybody seems to be, at least in the West, who have the privilege of being able to like look at the world and comment on it and opine on it and stuff. Um, they all seem to generally, the ones that do that seem to be... Uh, not happy with the course that the world is on. And I try to remind myself about all the other people who aren't on social media, which is probably, you know, actively on social media, probably 80, 90% of the world's population aren't on it in any, mm. you know, to any great extent. Certainly not commenting. Maybe they're doing Facebook pictures of their breakfast, but that's about it. But they're still picking up on stuff from their local governments and all that kind of stuff in their local media, et cetera, et cetera. You know? So there's the active viewers, the active people who are actively looking at it and getting involved and this is this is a problem. You know, we need to sort this out and complaining about it. And other people who are passively passively absorbing the 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 data from from government and media, not on social media. Um and they, but I think they also, at least in the Western world, are also disquieted about what they're hearing, you know. I just, I just try and get a... I'm just trying to understand if, if this is the whole world problem or if it's just our problem. Well, for me, it, 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 it was clarified by 2020. Mm. What happened there... Now, I'm aware that my perspective is subjective, but it's so strong that I'm not ever going to go f- stray far from it. Mm. I was, that was a bad horrified yeah. by what took place in 2020 mm. and that's and I believe it to be bad for everyone right. I'm aware that that's subjective right because there's a lot of people uh, that say no it was good for everyone fine I understand that but I'm watching them say that and then watching the results on their immediate family if not their own the person articulating their own health mm. right now three mm. years later mm. their own bank account balance three years later mm. 
that their own their own bad. fears and weird behaviors in any kind of areas mm-hmm. since then not necessarily related to the right. quote unquote pandemic yeah um, i'm i'm sorry it 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 helped so to speak mm-hmm. it helped me to clarify mm-hmm. that this world is completely screwed because elites just went off the rails mm-hmm. they went we, we cannot forget and this only just ended in january this year mm. that's that's i think what i want to open the year with how many remember that the Freedom Convoy in Canada was this year? I thought it, you, you yeah, were like, no, that was twenty twenty. Well, was that was last? No, no, it was this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was ten months ago. Mm-hmm. It ended. Um, try to remember not just the basically nationwide rebellion in Canada, but why that came to a head. The Canadian government was at the leading edge of a le- an overall Western wave of intensifying pressure. On people, get vaccinated, or else, or else lose your job. They had obviously threats to employment, threats to your bank account, threats to your personal. You know, they were serious threats. You had the American president this time last year saying, "If you don't get it, you will die this winter. Mm-hmm. You will die last last winter." Um, you had the Austrian government death and suffering or something. Or death you had the Austrian government saying, "If you don't get it, you're staying in your home, and you're, the police will not let you out the, outside the doors unless you get it. Mm. Uh, if you do get out, you'll be fined. If you don't pay the fine within two weeks, you'll be fined tenfold that, and so on." That was all to kick in this year, and then it all kind of, the vast majority of that wave washed out or retracted because of the invasion of. Ukraine, Ukraine by Russia. Suddenly different priorities. Which exposed the fact that but they we weren't that we came very close. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, they, uh, I suppose, to, if we we'll go back to what we were saying before, that's what's changed. Um, if organized power is able to do that, corporate slash government slash health, organized, uh, whatever, fascist. and on a global level, institution, you know, and with a united uh, organizing pressure, with a with effects on the globe, even on go- even on countries where governments are not on board with it, it was happening in those countries anyway. It was having totalizing mm. what your man Desmet would call mass formation psychosis mm-hmm. effects on the entire population globally. Mm-hmm. So after that, like, there's, it interesting? there's no it? doubt anymore. It's objectively getting worse. Yeah, it's going down. Uh, yeah, that was a bad totalitarian turn that governments in unity took. Yeah. And and I also would posit that that did not happen before that point in time, this overall current point in time, because that could not have happened. It took progressive, well, progressions from the point of view of someone willing and encouraging this this movement, but devolution, digression, you know, uh, the opposite of progress for those of us like, how do we get to this point? It, it took a lot of steps. Uh, you know what I mean? It couldn't have happened before now, objectively, I think. We were on the leading ev- edge of a global totalitarian wave this year because of the underlying changes that, that enabled it. People were... Uh, I mean, before More COVID, people were amenable to it, yeah. No, COVID. So, the, the, you mean the preparation was co- was from 2020 when COVID launched? That and other things. I think the war on terror was part of it as well. Psychological effects on people. Yeah, insecurity, fear. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyone, any, first it was anyone can be a terrorist well ideally that Muslim over there but then it was broadened out actually any of you Domestic. in fact you're all suspect mass shootings um, mass shootings had an effect as well which weren't limited to America uh, over the past number of years uh, mass shootings or stabbings and stuff were popping up in different places around the world 
Um, so it, it is global. There's something global happening. There's, there is. It does have effects globally, but it, it tends to be concentrated in the Western world for yeah. some reason. It tends to be focused there for, for whatever reason, but it definitely do, does have uh, tentacles, let's say, uh, all around the world in terms of the, the, the impact that it has. Um, but I, th- I thought it was interesting, though, that uh, the extent to which they were uh, getting their knickers in a twist and going you know, full, full totalitarian almost um, with the COVID vaccines, and then suddenly it all went away because Russia invaded Ukraine. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't speak well for their commitment mm-hmm. to the idea. If uh, uh, an invasion can suddenly make, oh yeah, vaccines, whatever, that's that's not important anymore. Um, it exposes the fact that it, there was a certain amount of um, fakery about that, i.e., i.e. The, the the what they were saying uh, about vaccines and the need to get vaccines wasn't really the whole reason why. Um, they were they were pushing the vaccine. It wasn't about only about public health. It was about compliance. I mean, Macron in France was kind of almost explicit about that. Where he he when he was targeting the unvaccinated, he said he wanted to piss them off because they had you know the unvaccinated. This was probably shared by many country many governments in in, in Western countries anyway. Uh, that any dissent on uh, against um, government mandates of any kind, but in this case vaccine mandates, uh, was not viewed. Uh, viewed very well. It wasn't mm. viewed, viewed. They didn't like it. Let's say uh, because it was almost taken as a personal insult. How dare you say no to me? It's not that you're saying no to me on this particular topic. It's just the fact that you're saying no to me. Mm. I don't like the fact that you're saying no to me, and that's totalitarianism mm. in essence. You know, and there's no reason to suspect that those they don't still see us that way. Of course, yeah. So, well, that didn't just start then either. So, I mean, governments have always had that kind clown of shoes world. Yes, but. They're armed. Yeah. Well, the clowns. <laughs> they're sh- dangerous. Yeah. They're they're armed and dangerous clowns. They're the, sp- they're the spooky clowns. The crazy clown. The the scary clowns. Um, but yeah, the clown shoes aspect was is more to do for me, and it was more to do with the public response from it. Um, mm-hmm. I see a lot of people out there sporting clown shoes in terms of how they're responding to what we're what we're talking about. How them how they can how they're not seeing the totalitarian nature of, for example, the 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 totalitarian type nature of. Um, the, the COVID uh, vaccine mandates, um, you know, so it's not about we're not di- we're not discussing vaccines themselves here or anything like that. Mm. We're talking about the attitude mm. and the tone of government uh, messaging towards the population around vaccines. It it's it's not up for debate. I don't think for any reasonable person, it's not it's not in question that governments did take um, uh, 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 a tone, hard line, a, a, yeah, a very hard line, or a, a, a totalitarian tone with all of that, you know. Yeah, you could say it was and, justified, and but it doesn't exchange, it doesn't exclude the fact that they can justify it and others can believe it. Mm. And I understand that <clears throat> we we acknowledge that we're subjective in our mm. our horror at it, mm. but um, it's, <clears throat> it's it's going to have objective effects. Here's something that uh, it's not related. It predates all this. Do you remember that? We won't play it now because it's too long to play, but it's still only <clears throat> a couple of minutes. People should, it's worth looking up. It's a time lapse someone did of all protests globally. So it's a map of the world and the timeline is played in video and it, the, the protest pop up as lights, maybe in a city. Mm. And they had some criteria. It had to be significant enough. It didn't matter what the protest was about. It could be about austerity measures. It could be about saving the planet. Mm. Left, right, the whole, they weren't making any subjective criteria mm. based on what is or not a valid protest. It was just like the numbers, how mm. many people turned up. 
it's it's crazy. It goes from like the seventies, um, when there were famous protests of various things in the United States, Europe, Vietnam War, Vietnam War, anti-war protests still still going on, um, and then it tracks it all the way through. To, and I think it ends in about the mid, maybe twenty ten or something. So from that point on, well, you can imagine it's still anyway. It shows like little flashes around the world, and you go through time, and it's flashing much much faster now, and you're still going. You're just going through time. At the same speed, but now it's flashing like crazy. By the time it stopped, the world was blinking. The whole but, world. But yeah. objectively, all those through those decades, <clears throat> people did better. Objectively, exactly, in but material that, terms. Exactly, but that's what they were protesting about. So all those flashes were flashes of democracy. That's what the State Department would say. When the well, State Department looks at they see just <laughs> democracy flashing all around the world. This, this is, and this, there's a subjective element here. To what extent were they encouraged, manipulated, and so on? into activism there's definitely there's a hidden hand but not everything's conspiracy Mm. and all these things you've got to consider a sliding scale of structuralism versus agency Mm. it'll never be 100% agency is where everything's a conspiracy Mm. and it's all planned and predetermined structural is purely all history is just it's just drift it just happens random chance Um, there is obviously a big element of NED funded protests and color revolutions and stuff like that but even then when this is literally a global picture stepping back away from whatever it's subjectively the mm. protest was about i took from it but that people are if it's not anger per se then it's concern stressed about you know if, if they believe the climate stuff well the kids the kids school strike you know mm. Those kids were coming out of school really believing that they wouldn't make it into motherhood years and wouldn't have children of their own because the planet's going to end like Global next warming, year yeah. or something, yeah. you know. Um, maybe, it, maybe it could be tracked as well with, uh, in terms of population, you know. I'd say if you took a room full of, uh, with, with, say, like five people in it, a decent-sized room with five people in it, um, and you charted over, you know, imagine you confined these poor people in this room for decades. I mean, say they were happy enough to be there, whatever. Uh, but you added more and more people progressively. I would, I'd say the more people in a room and the less space each individual personal space each person had, uh, the more arguments would um, occur. Arise. So is a population, and do we need to depopulate the planet? Hot potato, Neil. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Malthusian. No, yeah, you're saying... <coughs> The bigger the crowd, the more likely to have well, more random factors. Population has increased quite a lot since 1970, you know. It has, definitely. But, People crammed into but, cities. But there are counter-examples. What about large countries where there's still social cohesion is impressive, i.e. the number of protests and instability is remarkably low, where, where if it's just a numbers game, you'd expect it to be high. Um, like Nigeria has had problems with terrorism mm. because a portion of its population yeah. is, is Muslim minority, but it's remarkably cohesive. Mm-hmm. Um, nonetheless, China is 1.5 billion. Mm. I know we had the thing two weeks ago. Oh my God, look at all the protests in China, but they were they were tiny. They were tiny. We did an analysis here. Uh, we extrapolated the numbers. They were tiny mm-hmm. respe- compared with the country. Mm-hmm. So a remarkable social cohesion mm-hmm. of 1.5. You would expect as China's numbers grew and grew, right. by now it's just a complete basket case. Right, right. Yeah, so you can have organizing principles at some scales, even with larger and larger numbers, mm-hmm. where in fact there's harmony, mm-hmm. relatively. Yeah, as long as there's enough living space, basically enough resources, then people aren't going to. That begs the question: Is there a disharmonizing? Is there a disharmonizing factor yeah. that's pushing on everyone? Yeah, 
Well, I mean, ultimately, if you you know, you'd have to, you probably would have to conclude that there is some X factor um, involved in all because you can go through, you know, all of the different uh, issues within any any given country and and, and therefore globally and, and show how they that would give rise to you know protests or discontent, social unrest, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when it um, when it's you can't pin it down to any one thing, and even if you put all those things together, you know, uh, you know. It, it's, there's not you're not going to come up with one answer to it. It's, it's it's all of these different factors that are causing all of this unrest. It does seem that there's, uh, yeah, like you said, an X factor, something, some force uh, being exerted, some I don't know, waves of something. I don't know who knows what what it is, but cosmic, it's, it gets very cosmic com- rays. Yeah, well, it gets very complicated at that point when you're talking about human consciousness and human, you know, people's just thoughts and their their beha- the way they see the world and, and what's going on within them and what's going on collectively within a population. It's very, very complex, so extremely complex um, system to, to navigate. So, uh, But anyway, yeah, I think we, conclude, conclude, we can conclude that um, the world is significantly more chaotic than it, uh, than it used to be. Yeah. And it, it goes hand in hand with the rise of, I think, technology and the rise of social media as well. I think that is an exacerbating factor to some extent. But like I said, people have to remember what you read in social media is not representative in terms of what, you know, the feelings or the, the, the idea you get of how people are thinking and feeling on social media is not representative necessarily of the rest of the population, which is the, the large majority of the population in most countries. You have to go out and ask people in the street, do you use social media? No. Okay, what do you think? What's going on? Do you, how, do you, how do you see the world? Do you think the world... Uh, Okay, what and then ask them what what are the factors well, that Amer- make them Americans, feel that way? Um, for example, <coughs> are polled regularly do, about what they think of the government, Congress, military. There's a breakdown, but then there's a question about the overall trend the the, the country is moving in, mm. and they're consistently high, <coughs> uh, like seventy to eighty percent think it's going in the wrong direction. Right, and that I From don't know about under Trump, but certainly in the Biden years, Gallup, uh, Pew. Huh. Um, Scientific polls, yeah. There, is their sample good? I think it's good. Yeah. It, yeah. it certainly it conforms my bias of <laughs> of how I think it's going. It's going bad. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think Pew and Gallup would be seeking to undermine because they would want to. You know, if anything, they would have a bias the other way to uphold the institutions of our beloved democracy. Yada yada yada. Yeah. But they consistently get an answer that churns out a figure of seventy, eighty percent. Think things are going south. Mm. That's just in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they have it best. Technically. Relatively. Materially. Which is, gets back to your problem, your point about what Peter talks about, about meaning and stuff, you know. Mm. Uh, that isn't, you know, meaning isn't found in material, um, material goods or material riches uh, for most people. It's actually negatively correlated, I think, sometimes with the, uh, with with meaning and a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment in life is you know the richer you are, maybe the less overall the less happy you might be. You know, um, here's another <coughs> set of statistics. Uh, you know, a th- very much a theme this last year: rising excess deaths. Yeah. So th- their objective, would mm. you agree? Yeah, of course. Because yeah. there's very specific criteria well, about what they mean. Well, they're published by government, so yeah. Um. Got one here from the European Commission for EU. This is up to October of this year. Excuse me, now 16th of the 9th of September. Excess mortality hits 
16%, the highest 2022 value so far. Yep. Where, you know, it had been 7 8% in June and May. Yeah, and it's weird to think that no one, so, they're not addressing that. Like the British government, the French government, other countries that have those excess deaths are not addressing them, except some people are, but government officially isn't addressing it. Um, they're saying that it's due to lockdowns. Uh, due to kind of mothballing or cancelled appointments, et cetera, in the, in the healthcare system, which in itse- itself is a, is a problem. It's an example of bad governance where the government decided to uh, shut down health services to a large extent in, in many countries, uh, denying people access to primary healthcare and then causing what we're seeing now, which is an excess, excess deaths, non-COVID excess deaths. Do you, do you, do yeah, you put it up there? Let's put it up. It's interesting, the variety across Europe. In some countries, it's actually gone down. Yeah, in other countries, it's gone way up. Sixteen percent is the average. Huh? Um, so I just sent it to Scott. There, this is from Eurostat. So it's the European Union's own statistics uh, department. Yeah, well, we know that we've talked about that before. Access deaths are uh, are up this for most of this year across many countries: Australia, from Australia to America to everywhere in between. Um, um, but like you said, some have gone down. Fourth paragraph, excess mortality varies across EU member states with eight member states recording values <coughs> like Spain, plus 37%, Cyprus, 33%, mm-hmm. Greece, 31 Then in the east, Latvia has gone down a little. Mm-hmm. Um, Estonia down, Lithuania down, Italy up 20 Um Okay, so what, what, what was that? It does do with population. Explain why that statistic would be interesting. What, what, were, what were the kinds of figures attributed to COVID in 2020? Mm. It wasn't 16%. Excess deaths weren't up that much, right? It was mm. something marginal, wasn't it? Over the whole year, what, per year? Over tw- in 2020, it was about, say, 100,000 in the UK when there was an average of 50,000 per, per month. Um, deaths mm. um, so 50,000 per month times 12 is 600,000 so 100,000 you know it was it was somewhere uh, in and around that for COVID at least again you have to get into COVID reporting COVID deaths okay. with COVID without <coughs> COVID but let's say for the year of 2020 excess deaths due to COVID were, say, were about that about that 15 16% I okay um the reason I thought there would be a massive discrepancy, i.e. it's much higher now, is because John Campbell is surprised by these figures because he's like... Oh, he's surprised, Ben, because we, the vaccines have rolled out and the COVID isn't killing anybody anymore, so why are you having excess deaths? Oh, I You thought, can explain I, excess I, deaths during 2020 he, and into 2021 because of COVID. I thought he was saying the excess deaths are higher now. They are. They are. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's but he, like, it is surprising. Nobody's talking about it. Yeah, exactly. It is surprising because it was similar excess deaths. Basically, you have similar excess deaths during non-vaccinated population with COVID as you have with vaccinated population with COVID. Okay. And the only way you can explain it is, well, yeah, people missed out on their cancer screenings and their you know, screenings for other heart issues, et cetera, et cetera, uh, because we shut down the healthcare system. But it's as bad, but they don't care. So it's basically as much, if not more, deaths now, excess deaths now, uh, as during COVID when governments and everybody and their granny freaked out or were encouraged to freak out over this number of deaths. And now with the same, same number of deaths, you have silence. It's not such a big deal. Again, it, it exposes the cynicism and the lack of sincerity, I, I suppose, about that hysteris, hysteris, hysterical uh, uh, 
you know, messaging, etc., about COVID deaths that everybody was dying and everybody was going to die. Um, when you have a similar amount of deaths now and nobody cares. It's extremely cynical and it's one example, one reason why really people should always take that kind of government hysterical messaging with a large grain of salt because they really don't care. You know, it's not, um, they don't, ultimately government really doesn't care about about the people and the population. They don't care about you as, as an individual or even collectively. Um, but they had an agenda at the time which was to, you know, I don't know what their agenda was. I mean, we can speculate what their agenda was, but it seems to me that it was an ex- experiment in totalitarianism. And that was the primary motivation, was to do what we say, do what we tell you to do. Uh, but now, when you have something going on causing a similar amount of excess deaths, not interested. No. What about Putin? Yeah, let's talk about him instead. Putin did it, yeah. So... Well, just on that note, um, what... I'm sure people would like to think that Canadians standing up and others elsewhere is what the the amount of resistance the governments were getting from, pe- from people is what caused them to back down this year. Do you think there's any merit to that or is, is it as I surmised talking to you earlier that what changed overnight mm-hmm. was that Putin invasion mm-hmm. <laughs> Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then all priorities just it's like just just Flipped over here. Yeah. Well, we have an example of that from from history. Actually, we we talked about it sometime in the past. Um, in how they, we can't have evidence that the 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 war on terror was an idea that came online, and it was decided primarily in, in Washington D.C. Obviously, it was America was leading the war on terror, right? But that war on terror was not something that landed in the laps of the Americans, but rather something that they thought up and decided to push on the world, on the world to put out there and push on the world. As here's the new thing: the new thing is a war on terror. I mean, the evidence we have for it is um, this, uh, the conflict in Northern Ireland in the mid '90s or so. You had uh, a delegation of both sides of that conflict in Northern Ireland going to Washington, D.C., because Washington was the arbiter of the peace process and all that kind of stuff. And one of those uh, members of the delegation was told by uh, uh, a British intelligence agent in the State Department who was there, uh, you know, on secondment or whatever. um, And he told this this guy from Northern Ireland who was part of the, you know, part of the political political parties um, that were party to the conflict, he said, listen, uh, you know, the conflict in Northern Ireland is going away. The troubles, as he called it, is, is basically... We're doing away with that. Mm-hmm. It's been going on for 30 years, but we're doing away with it now. Because this guy was very sceptical about the peace process actually happening or having any success. And the guy said, don't worry about it. We're going to make it go away because we have a different priority, which is the war on terror. And it's, in, it's, it's verbatim quoted by this guy mm-hmm. in a book, and he said this is what was told to him. Mm-hmm. So it's an example of how, again, in terms of COVID and the, the, the conflict in Ukraine, conflict in Ukraine comes along and it's like okay we're just we're going to make COVID go away because we've got a new thing now and people are like that but that's not how those things are meant to happen it's like yeah. those like they're structural right they, those are things that come along they're problems that are landed on the right. on the world's lap and you have to deal with them you can't just say okay we're going to make that go away you can't make things like what do you mean unless you unless you thought it up you can't make it go away unless you fabricated it Right. You can't make it go away. If you fabricated it, you can say we're calling an end to it and we're putting it away because we created it. Well, it but didn't not completely go away. Well, no, but largely. But the pressure, the enormous 
pressure people were under went away. Yeah. And since then, courts have ruled that if you were fired or fined right. during yeah. lockdowns or for refusing to get vaccinated, yeah. you're entitled to your money back you and your, your job, job back. and yeah. full back pay. Yeah. So it did so, all just end, basically. The, the it, whole narrative switched. It flipped. The narrative flipped. And it all went, all went back to, like, a normal approach then was taken to the whole yeah. COVID situation. That's, that's the, co- the approach that should have been taken all along was suddenly taken because we've got something else to focus on. I think when we were <clears> reviewing <throat> last year, or maybe 2020, I said something like, geopolitics is dead. That's it. Because of COVID, Cause, yeah. Well, yeah, and it's all basically one world government, and it's going forwards as one march mm. off the cliff together. Mm. I thought, that's the end. Mm. And then this year, it comes back with a bang, like, mm-hmm. you know, We've got Putin to thank for that. Yeah. Thanks, Putin. <coughs> I'll made, get you banned. Made geopolitics great again. Yeah. Um, what about, oh, before we go on it, though, <coughs> what about the supply chain crisis? That was the term of 2021. It's still an issue, right? Or is it? I found it's something. It's kind of going back to normal to a certain extent. I wonder, I mean, has it carried over into this year? It, it's, it's, it's sort of become part of the new normal um there's a chart here do you remember <clears throat> what the craziest element about it was the the price the skyrocketing price for uh, a freight container mm-hmm. um can you put that up scott it's, it's just wikipedia um can you click on the chart there i don't know how accurate this is i guess it's within the ballpark anyway so it's taking us up to august 2022 on the right and you can see there it explodes 2021, okay. Mm-hmm. For, for longest time, it's very stable. The what? market price for a global, a freight container freight was about $1,500. It started going up at the end of November 2020. And then November it, it takes then, off, then, takes off, takes off. 2021, supply chain crisis hitting 11000 per per, per yeah. box. May, June, July It's gone down a bit, but it's still high. Six, yes. 6000 But there's just... They've just uh, absorbed that into the, the new normal, let's say. That's the new price. Of course, that means commodity prices are all going up, which they are. Even food prices are going up, et cetera, ah, et cetera. So of course. It did continue. Of course, this year was yeah. all inflation, the right. cost of living crisis. Yeah. yeah. So they are acknowledging. But, but, and they're trying to normalize it by saying, mm-hmm. yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's inflation. Totally. It's the new so normal, it's good. Yeah. Inflation's good for you. Well, there's not a legacy. Scott. Yeah, I sent you, sent it to you there a minute ago. Uh, it's a Twitter, Twitter link. Um here, this seems to be a legacy of, uh, or an effect, or not going to affect of uh, the whole COVID business. It's, this is in Australia. Just have a, a listen there and you'll see what's going on. A radical plan to crack down on social media abuse is being considered by the federal government. For more, Nine's Oliver Haig joins us live in Adelaide. Ollie, how will it work? Lala, good morning. Essentially, it will work the same as a passport. Australians forced to submit 100 points of identification, like their driver's licence or passport, when using social media accounts like Facebook and Twitter. Now, police would have access to those social media accounts, and it's all part of a crackdown on online abuse. Now, users could be liable for defamation suits or even criminal prosecution, and it's all part of a plan hoping to deter people from engaging in bad behaviour. Now, the recommendation were handed down by a federal parliamentary inquiry. They're reforms that are being considered by the Morrison government, with the chairman saying there is merit to remove to remove uh, the veil of being anonymous. Layla? So, <clears throat> the Morrison government, so that's like last year, but... Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, it's been rolled out. Yeah, um, it's coming anyway. <laughs> on that's kind of de facto the state of play in the UK, mm-hmm. where police are ad hoc already coming to doors and saying, you know, you you offended someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, online harm. Want to come yeah. down with us to the station? Right. And of course, online harm was a big part of it. it. Didn't start with COVID, but it was leveraged during COVID. Was that any post that? Uh, question the COVID yeah. narrative were online harm. COVID's not mentioned there. It's, no. it's all to do with, yeah. 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 Any kind of harm. So uh, you can't leave it to COVID. You can't leave it to people just talking about vaccines or talking about you know, health issues. It, it has to be across the board. Any harm. And of course, that kind of thing, if you're cynical enough, and you don't have to be very cynical, um, you'd realise that that would be used as a, a tool of control by the government to censor um and to prosecute and to intimidate people who were saying anything that the government didn't like, rather you know, under the ages of this could cause harm, it would be to control anti-government speech or anything the government, <coughs> anything uh, anybody said that the government didn't agree with, basically didn't like. Yep, you can see that. You can also see, going back to the first thing you said on this show, that they have justifiable grounds. The wait, hear me out. All the anonymous troll demons, mm. as Peterson calls them. Everyone having a platform and spouting off with no consequences for their actions. Calling people all sorts of names. There's no real word. Like somebody said recently, uh, some, some guy is a UFC fighter in the States. Has, you know, got a following on Twitter. He was called a white supremacist or a Nazi on Twitter by some other UFC fighter. So the next time they met, he, he knocked his lights out. And then he gets back on Twitter and says, you know, there are real-world consequences for what you do. Mm-hmm. There are none, basically, at the moment. It's a free-for-all. So you can see why they have plausible grounds on which to start policing people because people are popping off. Mm. I'm not saying I agree with it, but you can see there's always going to be – the other side is always going to say it, they're going to end up supporting. Enough people will support it. Safety. Even though we, in our, in our cynic, we immediately see the, t- the grounds for – shutting people up in political dissent and protest. Um, the, even before that, a chilling effect. Once you know the system, that's how it is, you just don't even say it. Well, that's what's been exposed in the Twitter files, that that seems to be at least a, a large part or a, a large part of FBI resources, the cyber crime or cyber, the FBI cyber division uh, resources over the past few years. And, it, well, going back even before, going back to really 2016 and before probably, uh, are dedicated a lot, large part of the resources are dedicated to um, censoring uh, speech, and it's not um, it's not about death threats to the country from foreign malign actors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but it's, it's 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 that I suppose that's you know what they do as well. Yeah, but there isn't much evidence of any Russian bots or anything like that. Of course, that kind of thing happens, and they do have to keep an eye on it, but. A lot of it seems to have been, as revealed by the Twitter files, uh, a lot of it seems to have been focused on censoring anti-government, anti-government yeah. speech, anti-Washington DC, anti-establishment speech. And that, in this case, it was obviously anybody who was supportive of Trump uh, and didn't like Hillary Clinton or Biden. They were the enemies. So it's partisan. It's not just the FBI. Obviously, isn't a, a an impartial. Um, Agency, they're obviously partisan, and they were using their power and control in, in league with Twitter, with the people at Twitter who were ideologically cut from the same cloth, um, to to censor 
you know, also the latest Twitter files uh, release shows that they were censoring, that the FBI was sending, um, you know, links to Twitter profiles that had like a thousand followers. But just because they were saying things that were, and a lot of them were, several of them were actually just obviously satire. All of the posts mm-hmm. were satire. And yet they, <clears throat> they went after them, you know, because we don't like what you're saying. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't, can't really be construed as threat at being a, a danger to national security. You're not Russian. You're not a Russian troll. You're not a Chinese bot. You're yeah. obviously some American dude who's got a satire account with very few followers on Twitter, but we're going to highlight your account for censorship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to see what's happening now on Twitter where people are being banned from the other side, in quotes. Mm. Um, What's it? Musk did this week. He banned several. I think it was awesome that he banned several uh, major mainstream media journalists. And some of them are just like, from my perspective, they're just, uh, they're incorrigible. They're deplorable. Um, You know, but it was fine. I mean, they got reinstated, but it was great as a as a, a warning shot as a message to those yeah. people that listen you're 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 not you're not in some ivory tower you are held to the same standards as everybody else on twitter if you talk shit or you spread misinformation or breach any of the twitter, twitter rules you're going to yeah but that's the way it should be yeah when people see this kind of stuff like that report from australia they go ah oh, just like china's social credit system mm. you know uh, it's in, in china They've explicitly said it's to encourage pro-social behavior and to punish anti-social behavior. So they're picking up on the same thing, same justifications in the West. The problem is anti-social behavior by whose standards, by the current standards of those in power or close to power, pro-social behavior is drag queens for kids. Right. <clears throat> and to criticize it is to be anti-social. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's like, I suppose, uh, yeah, like we're seeing Musk do now with Twitter, he is policing it. They're crying foul and free speech. But actually, this is the correct application of it. Um, and even then, they're getting off lightly. I mean, who is, there's someone who said... Um, this is attributed to Thomas Sowell, actually, the American academic. When people get used to preferential treatment, equal treatment seems like discrimination. Mm-hmm. So they're in hysterics, you know. Mm-hmm. They're just getting treated the same. They're back already, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, Musk's, Musk's reason for, for banning those people was, uh, or temporarily, let's say, suspending those people, um, those mainstream media journalists, was because they were, he claimed that they had repeated um, or spread information about his real-time location yeah. when uh, he has an active kind of stalker situation going on and he said that you know, that's not allowed, so you're not allowed to dox people, dox people's actual location at you know, in real time. You can do it after the fact, but where they were, but you can't say where they are. Mm. Um, and there was one... One guy had a Twitter account uh, that was tracking, had, for quite a long time, they'd been tracking the flights of his private jet, Elon Musk's private jet, and he got dumped, right? So, um, did you, you heard about that, right? Yeah. Um, the teenager. Yeah. He. Uh, then he's on CNN. Yeah, did you see that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just listen to it. I mean, it just shows you, again, this is kind of like, 
this is the kind of clown shoes aspect of it. People are taking this guy seriously, um, saying that he's just, you know, it's, it's it's free speech. He's just releasing, you know, public information of public interest, whatever, and he's doing it for the for the free speech integrity and all that kind of stuff. And uh, but actually, no. Uh, this is what he said to CNN. So what what is your current demand relative to Musk? What will it make for you to go away and stop this? Uh, s- still a Tesla or $50,000. I mean, I'm not going to up it. There's no need to. <laughs> <laughs> it's uniquely, uniquely American, no? Um, he wants money to, to stop Millennial. doing yeah, it's blackmail. So uh, there's a clown shoes aspect of the whole thing there, for example, you know, where you see a lot of people like, you know, people spending, you know, burning up their keyboards, defending this guy and, and attacking Musk yeah. for suspending his account. And then you realize that he says, yeah, go away. I just want a Tesla or 50 grand. Not a lot of principle. That's not a principle stance, really. Right. Except the principle of I like money. Um is there ever, though? I mean... Yeah, well, that's the thing. People talk as if there is all the uh, time. Are things objectively getting worse, or is is there other dynamics at play in the world today that are just revealing how things always were? That was my so, question at the beginning. I know. Well, I've re-asked it because another highlight or low light, is that a word, from 2022 mm-hmm. is the... Rescindance, the overruling of Roe versus Wade. Uh, you weren't here at the time, but I did a little, I did a little show on just on that topic because mm-hmm. everyone was freaking out. You know, everyone had an opinion about it. Um, so I looked at the original case, Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> it was crazy. It was completely nuts. The woman was herself quite crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm getting at is. <coughs> She, the individual, became the icon or the individual template for which all would follow mm-hmm. for the next 50 years. The justification for, for principal defense of a woman's right to choose. Mm-hmm. But the woman in question was pretty nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember now exactly. But, for example, she ended up being anti-abortion herself, an anti-abortion activist. Mm-hmm. Um, the daughter that she had tried to have but t- failed in time to have legally aborted in Texas, grew up mm-hmm. to hate her mother completely. Um, in typical American fashion, they tried to do a kind of a, an Oprah Winfrey make get-together show. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll make up, we'll hug, and Evan will go home happy, daffy. They did that, and um, the daughter still said something. I, can't, I don't know if it was actually aired in the end, but no, I still can't stand that woman. She, what she did to me and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But the, the, all this time, this raucous debate about the principle and then the, the individual in question who became the icon of the entire movement right. wasn't all there in the head right. slash did not have a justifiable case for what she wanted. You know, she wasn't uh, someone who was unjustly treated. Right. She was kind of one of them. She was someone who did not she was not a, an average american mm. she was a very mm. she was from a, a very small minority and it came to represent something that um the whole time was un- unjustified um yeah 
Yeah, well, it, that's it, history. It's history, and here it is. This week, Tucker Carlson has articulated for the first time something we've always known, something that I suppose the system never wanted us to know or to allow to be acknowledged on mainstream TV, that the CIA assassinated John F. Kennedy mm-hmm. in 1963. Mm-hmm. Now, that's always been the case. That didn't change this year. Right. So was the world before less clown shoesy and stable and happier? Even though for pretending that it wasn't the case, Mm. you know. Um, Yeah, well, that's that's part of it. I mean, um, was in that segment from on Tucker Carlson, he said Mm. that uh, he said that he saw because basically the the segment on Tucker Carlson was in response to Biden supposedly releasing. Uh, as you know, every president meant to do, releasing uh, documents, um, well, documents related to the assassination of JFK and everything associated, basically, and um, they were meant to be released in 2017, all of them, mm. and they weren't. Uh, Trump di- Trump held back uh, X thousands of them. Uh, Joe Biden had his opportunity now, and he did the same thing. Uh, he kept back several thousand of them um, for national security reasons unknown. Don't know why you can't. Why would you not be able to release all documents related to the assassination of JFK fifty, almost sixty years after his assassination? Did, did because the CIA was involved, and that's why they won't release it. Because the CIA would have egg on its face, basically. It would, it would, and then the question. It would raise all sorts of uncomfortable questions for the CIA about you know, if, well, if that's what you guys did back then. And now we have hard evidence that you were directly involved in it. Um, have you changed your tune, or is it the same CIA going around today? Is there anything different, really, or have you actually got worse? Um, so obviously, they don't want to release those kind of documents. Um, but it was well known. I mean, you have again, you have JFK um, at the time. Was it, is that an official quote where he said he wanted to split the break the CIA into a thousand pieces? It's someone writing on his behalf. Right, said he said that. That's Ar- right. Arthur Schlesinger. Yeah, there's some dispute about it, but right, whatever. It appeared well, the, in the New York Times. Well, what there's not dispute about is the memorandum from Schlesinger to JFK in June 30th, 1961, which I think probably gave rise to JFK actually saying that. Uh, this was a few years before his assassination, and probably one of the things that led to his assassination. If you just throw it up there, Scotty, it's uh, it's the actual memorandum. Um, so Schlesinger was special assistant to the president, to JFK. Um, it was sent on June 30th, 1961, and this is basically a, um, a copy of it. So this was this was part of the documents that should be fully released, but as you can see further down, uh, it's actually, well, we'll go down in a minute, but it's, it's been a lot of it's a good portion of it's still redacted. Um, but just go down to page uh, three, the page numbers at the top, you know. Uh, yeah. Scroll down. Pages, yeah, there you go. Uh, so at the very top, there it says, For its part, this is Schlesinger reporting to JFK that for its part, the CIA has had developed a whole series of functional parallel sorry, a whole series of functions paralleling already existing functions of the State Department and of the Defense Department as well. Today, it has its own political desks and military staffs, it has in effect its own foreign service, it has or had its own combat forces, it even has its own air force. Its annual budget is about Blank, blank times that of the State Department. The contemporary CIA possesses many of the characteristics of a state within a state. Um, 
So if you just scroll, scroll down a few more pages, we'll just see some of the um, the redacted parts. Um, if actually, if you go, um, let me see, about page seven. Just go to page seven there, six, seven, yeah. Next one. Uh, in the second paragraph, the result of the CIA's initiative in covert political operations has been to create, a, create situations which have forced policy on the State Department. This was not the original idea behind the CIA. As Dulles wrote, uh, Alan Dulles wrote in 1947 memorandum to the Senate Armed Services Committee, the CIA should have nothing to do with policy, yet in the years since, the CIA has in fact made policy in many parts of the world. A number of governments still in power know that they have been targets of CIA attempts at overthrow, not a state of mind calculated to stimulate friendly feelings towards the United States. And then redacted, of course, is a prime example. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, and if you just scroll down, you can see in the next page, like it's pretty much the whole page is redacted, uh, and then num- page nine, half page nine is redacted, um, and there's there's, and there's a whole page at the very end actually. I it's farcical. It's farcical because people have worked out <coughs> what's in the redacted parts from other from just yeah. There's so much history. There's so many books that have been written now. It's but that's not even the, the thing. about it is it's there's other do- documents that are fully redacted. Yeah. That I, I haven't been released. Oh, Nobody yeah, well, gets to see them. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, that's one of the guys that well, uh, on, on the Carlton piece uh, that he that he um, did a couple of days ago on this topic, on basically the CIA being responsible for the assassination of JF, JFK. He said that he had talked to someone who had seen those other documents, yeah. and the other person had said, and he quoted what he said. He said, "Yes, pretty much the CIA was directly involved in the assassination of JFK." And the guy himself said that this is, he said, the whole everything is fake. Basically, yeah. our whole country, our whole yeah. idea of democracy is it's fake. fake. Um, it doesn't exist, hasn't existed since then, um, in the way that people think it has. So, yeah, people are living under this illusion that they live in a democracy when they don't, when things happen as a result of their, you know, their so, activism or their involvement in democracy and the democratic process, et cetera, et cetera. That's how all the world works in America and, you know. Has the world become clown shoes or was it always clown shoes? Yeah, well, it definitely has been, you know, you know, has been the world has been being run, at least the Western world, and, and at least in, in the case of America, and we can maybe extrapolate out to m- many other parts of the world, have been, the course that they have taken has been directed by people that are not people who have been elected by the, by the democratic process. If that had happened, we would live maybe in a very different world today, but we're living in a world that is being directed, has been shaped by people who are unelected and who work behind the scenes, basically. Um, I, I I actually kind of get a kick out of the whole, you know, the thing where like each sitting president, mm. the they have a you know they, they have to decide whether or not to release the documents mm. about the assassination of a former sitting president. As if, right, yeah. So it's it's kind of like I mean, can you imagine like here you are you're the president of the United States of America and you know it's like oh I got to make this decision and some dudes from the CIA come in and they say, you know, what well, do you want to release this? And they're like, oh, I demand to see the... And they just show you, like, one little unredacted page. Like, mm. yeah, we blew his brains out. Mm-hmm. So do you want to release him? Mm. <laughs> and, and it's like... Yeah. It's so obviously hilarious and, like, horrible. Except if it's a sitting president and if it's a president that was brought up uh, within the political uh, kind of world of political yeah. sphere in Washington, D.C., they know that well before they became president. They yeah. know that who, who killed JFK. They don't need to be shown any documents. Only people like yeah. Trump who would come in and be going... He'd be like, I'm the boss yeah, now. Yeah. And, and we're like, I want to see some documents because I don't know what the hell's been going on. Um, this is uh, a guy, it's just a couple of minutes, it's on, um, his name's Jeff Morley. Uh, he's pretty, you know, 
stand-up guy. He's you know, he he's an author on on JFK. Uh, he's you know, he's seen as pretty pretty middle of the road, pretty standard, and you know, he's an academic. So his his um, his credentials are in question, and he spoke, and that's why MSNBC had him on to talk about it. So just have a listen to what he says. Joining me now is Jeff Morley, editor of JFK, JFK Facts Blog on Substack, also the author of Scorpion's Dance, The President, The Spymaster, and Watergate. Uh, Jeff, good to have you. I guess, you know, what's your reaction to, to getting these documents and not getting the rest? Well, what's going on here, unfortunately, is a bit of a shell game. You know, the, the CIA makes a big claim about they put out all these documents. But when we went in to look at them last night, we discovered that out of 30 documents that they claimed had been released, only about 12 of them had actually been released, and 20 more had been released with many, many redactions in them. So the CIA is giving the illusion of transparency, but not the substance of it. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, the CIA has long hidden not just what happened with Oswald in Mexico City, but their interest in Oswald over four years. And it was not just the Mexico City station who knew about Oswald. It was senior officials in Washington who were informed about his travels, his politics, his personality, as late as October 10th, 1963. So, you know, the CIA has a big burden here. And their refusal to comply with the law, which was supposed to be implemented in 2017, you know, five years ago, this is the fourth time they've blown the deadline in five years. You know, some people will say that's incompetence, but other people are going to say, no, that's suspicious. Yeah. You know? And I think that the CIA's embarrassment is not just the possibility of incompetence, but in fact that they were using Oswald for intelligence purposes. And that's what they can't come up with. That's what they can't admit now because it's just too embarrassing. Now, there is no national security problem with that. That's just an embarrassment of the CIA problem. But this is what we this is the problem we face. You raised before, you know, who, who's the backstop? Who's going to say, let's end this charade? This is our history. It belongs to us. It doesn't belong to the CIA. You know, that's where we don't have anybody, we don't have any authority who can step in and say, look, hmm. the CIA has to stop this and has no to authority. start obeying the law. Did we find out any more in the documents that were released about Jack Ruby and his motive? He says there's no authority that can tell the CIA to release those documents. Yeah. <clears throat> what does that say? The CIA is the highest authority in the land? Yeah. And they're unelected, right? Mm-hmm. So democracy, right? Deep state. Democracy. Democracy is... Well, are the people who elect their officials. No. I uh, think... Here's an idea. What if, between this and all sorts of other things, across the West, over the last few decades, there's a growing, if somewhat unconscious for most people, awareness... Um, that the world is not how our narrative setters like the CIA tell us it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they they sit with the idea for a while and then they, then they leave it. They're off with a distraction over right. here about something. But then it comes back unwittingly. They don't want it to come back. They want to be done. I want to go on holidays and not have to think. But then something else comes up. And that new thing also exposes that there's a permanent government mm -hmm. and that my vote counts for shit. 
and that that might be why my bank balance is going down mm-hmm. or my job conditions are getting higher or more strenuous or my pension age is actually receding further and further in the distance. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get the feeling, it's still only a feeling, that something else is in control here. Mm-hmm. It's not what they tell us. It's not me and my vote. And the government doesn't have my best interests at heart. Mm. I think that's having a, a sizable effect on a portion of the population anyway. Maybe not for most people. Hmm. One would hope like. I mean, the United States, look how, look how, look how ardent, you know. It, the belief is so strong. It's what carried Trump into the White House mm-hmm. that this... And you get, it's schizophrenic in a way because it was like this is how the country is slash ought to be. MAGA, make America great again. Return us to what we had believed had been the way things work. Mm-hmm. And we're putting a foot down now. No, no, Trump's coming in. He's mm-hmm. draining the swamp. Mm-hmm. FBI, CIA, shut up. We're, the adults are back in charge now. Mm-hmm. It'll be proper due process and equal treatment of everyone on all issues. Mm-hmm. And you saw the reaction. Yeah. But well, that was the reaction of the deep state, i.e., the you know, CIA and other and others like them. And like you said, there are, this isn't a national security problem. This is a CIA embarrassment problem. But that means that national security, when it's used, is basically used to protect uh, agencies like the CIA, the ones who actually pull pull the strings. Uh, their reputation is national security. Is a national security issue. The reputation of the CIA. Well, it's more than that. It's also their ongoing mandate. Self. Self-given mandate of, of heaven to rule the world. Of course, but that would, that would so they have the world to lose. If not re- just their embarrassment. Yeah, well, if they're if they were embarrassed in the way that obviously embarrassment is a bit of a, it's a, a euphemism in mm. a certain sense because I mean if it was you know, if there's hard evidence to 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 back up the very likely uh, <clears throat> reality that the CIA was directly involved in the, and other groups like that were directly involved in the. An assassination of a sitting president, there would be hell to pay. It wouldn't be embarrassment. It would be hell. No, there would, would be, be hell to revolution pay. or restructuring of everything. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's partly what holds ordinary people back as well. It's it's, it's it, the subconscious is a horrible mix of of intentions and drives. You mm. know, on the one hand, they want to will back control by us, mm-hmm. by the people, for the people, but they're also held back by jeez. This is going to be messy. Like, to really follow through in this, mm. we have to disband a state within a state. Mm-hmm. And they're armed, heavily armed. And and the, all the money and resource they could possibly... They, they basically... They control the skies. They have the satellites. Right. They can start a war somewhere. Mm-hmm. Any, anywhere. On our streets. Yeah. The riots of 2020. Well, actually, just go back to the memorandum there, because there's one thing at the very end, uh, the conclusion is down on page 14, uh, conclusion. And this is why I think, you know, this this memorandum sent, sent by Schlesinger to, to JFK was maybe was what gave rise to the um, JFK's claim, the claim that JFK was planning to smash the CIA into a thousand pieces. Yeah, conclusion. So his conclusion basically is Schlesinger's concluding for JFK that the argument of this memorandum implies a fairly drastic rearrangement of our present intelligence setup. It also implies the capacity of the State Department to assume command of the situation and do so in an effective and purposeful way. If the State Department is at present staffed 
as at present it's not capable of assuming effective command, this is not, in my judgment, an argument against a rational reorganization of intelligence. So, yeah, rational. Uh, it is an argument for the drastic overhaul of the State Department. So the first line there, the argument of this memorandum implies a fairly drastic rearrangement of the present intelligence setup. And that's 1963, and the only way JFK can in any way take that bull by the horns is post-re-election. The CIA right. knows that, so they're like, eliminate him now. Right. And it ties into, I mean, this isn't well, just... The decade, excuse me, the, before, the, the guy mentioned Watergate, before, his, it's in the title of his book. I'd be interested to see what Jeff Moore has to say about Watergate. It's becoming more and more apparent that Watergate, before that decade was out, well, actually, it was early 70s, but whatever. Nixon was first elected in 68. Nixon was also boosted by the CIA. Watergate was a... Yeah. It was a setup within the setup. It mm. was like... It's complex. It's a lot more complex than just shooting him in, mm. the, in the head on, in Dallas. Mm -hmm. But um, Nixon... <laughs> Nixon thought he was smart. I, he's like, I won't be na naive like JFK. I'll use their dirty tricks against them. He wanted the family jewels of the CIA. He wanted mm -hmm. their secrets so he could have leverage over them. He wanted the executive, the White House, to... He was going to cleverly use a lever to get himself over them mm -hmm. and wrest back some control for, for the official overt national government. Mm -hmm. And he was gone. Yeah. So, I mean, and since then, obviously, with the CIA in control, already in control at that point, and since then, just consolidated their control over the past 60 years. You imagine how much control they've uh, been able to achieve since then. Uh, and we're not t just talking about the CIA. I mean, how many intel agencies are there? Dozens of, of, of intel agencies in the US. It's a whole kind of web. Um, but um, it's a global it, apparatus. Now. Yeah. But it's percolated. It, it's not just limited to them because, like, they're behind the scenes. They're, quote, unquote, the deep state. Uh, they can, they run the show. They're unelected. Um, but their ideology and their thinking, obviously, over 60 years, uh, informs or permeates uh, the, um, this, the overt government as well. Yeah. It all becomes – the overt government just becomes an extension of this government behind the scenes type thing. And it reminds me of that uh, – The very the language yeah, the, we use – yeah, the CIA language, conspiracy theory. Yeah, they made up the conspiracy theory. A yeah. candidate's electability. Yeah, conspiracy uh, theory came about as a result of the yeah. the JFK assassination and people um, suggesting that Oswald wasn't alone. Wasn't, yeah. uh, wasn't it's it's it's, it's pseudo psychological. Yeah, guff. It's it, made up nonsense. It didn't exist before that, really, in the way that it's used today. But if you just go to the that that link, it, I mean, it reminds me of the reality based community. Um, uh, term that we just look at the Wikipedia. Wikipedia has an entry on it, which is weird because it was just like a footnote from the Bush W years. Uh, but according to Wikipedia, reality-based community is a derisive term for people who base judgments on facts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're post-fact, post-fact reality, or post-truth, post-fact reality. Well, and it was first attributed to a senior official working for U.S. President George W. Bush. <coughs> by Susskind in 2004. Now, it was said to be, uh, later it was suggested that it, that it was actually Karl Rove, but it doesn't really matter, whoever. And the Bush administration was using derisively this term reality-based community for people out there in the world, ordinary people yeah. who think that facts matter, yeah. when in fact they don't because we make up the facts as we go along. Yeah. They're not objective. They're yeah. things that we make up. And the actual quote is, uh, just down in ours, and there it says, the aide said that guys like me so this is one of, uh, an aide in the Bush government, possibly Carl Rove, said that said to Susskind, a reporter, 
uh, guys like me were in what we call the reality-based community, which he defined as people who believe that solutions emerge from judicious study of discernible reality. Uh-uh. That's not the way the world works anymore. We're an empire now, and when we act, we create our own reality. And while you're studying that reality, judiciously as you will, we'll act again, creating other new realities, and then you'll be fucked, which you can study too, and that's how things will sort out. We're history's actors, and you're just a bunch of plebes. Um, and then 12 years later, Trump's elected, and they started to... Hilarious, diabolical twist on this. They say that Trump is. We're now in the post post truth world where he has his alternative facts. I think because he or his press secretary, the blonde woman, I forget her name, used that term in trying to push back against the CIA media, telling mm-hmm. her, "Well, no, these are the facts." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Well, okay." And then they use something she said. Oh, I see. So you're going to have alternative facts. Right. The Trump White House living in an alternate universe, mm. you know, which is a it's it's such a it's such a, a, a mind fuck because. In their own private thoughts, they are self-aware that they are not in the reality based community. It's mm-hmm. those other normies. But then when those normies actually try to take back the control of mm-hmm. the country, they project onto them. That which they know they are, and in the process managed to convince, well, I don't know, for argument's Someone. sake, half of the population mm-hmm. along with them that it's this guy, Trump, who's just pulling stuff out of thin air. He just lies all the time. Remember the lie counter? Trump yeah. today lied for the 1,730th time. Right. Total when bullshit. Yeah, they say that he's, he's just making up facts when they're the ones who are on record as saying that they make up facts all the time. Yeah. And he said 16 years later with Trump, but 20 years later we have. Uh, this, did I send it to you, Scotty? Yeah. Uh, which is just Matt Tybee's summation of the last Twitter files release, which is the takeaway from it is that most people think, what most people think of as the deep state is really a tangled collaboration of state agencies, private contractors, and sometimes state-funded NGOs. The lines become so blurred as to be meaningless. I.e., they're all just part of the same thing. He's talking about Twitter, intel agencies, state actors, the government, all that kind of stuff. They're all in it together, and that's because this the, the ideology of the... Of those kind of people of of, of the CIA, the, you know, the reality or the reality creators in, in intel agencies, the rulers of the world behind the scenes, their influence has infected Everything. all of the overt, open um, apparatuses of of apparatus of, of state, yeah, uh, and right down to uh, businesses and supposedly NGOs and stuff. They're all of the same mind, yeah which is we make up the facts as we go along. And it seems to be a left, quote-unquote, left way of... It seems to have been taken up by the left, quote-unquote, left mindset, let's say, or the, left, the leftist personality or the leftist brain, whatever way the leftist brain works, that seems to be favorable to them to make things up as you go along, which, uh, you know, I suppose I would note is maybe uh, another way to characterize it would be Feelings, not facts. That's in the same domain. People who tend towards a, a feelings rather than facts. How I feel is more important than your facts. Would be in the uh, reality creation community, right? Because it's how I feel. Whatever's happening doesn't matter. My feeling is that this is the way things are, and therefore that's the way things are. That's very different from facts, right? Right. I'm. I see it more like it, it's. Equal opportunity. It's both left and right. In the establishment, you can be neoliberal or neoconservative. Um, 
so it take, you're on different ends of a spectrum. No, I, but in the establishment, but, that means nothing. I'm talking about in the population here. Yeah. Neoconservatives and neoliberals are exactly the same. They're just two different monikers for the same people in positions of power who are who are infected by that CIA mind virus of reality creation. We are the we are the we're an empire now, and we create fact we create facts as we go along. In the population that comment on this, it seems that that version of reality is more uh, is more. Um, is more appealing to people who would self-describe as being left-leaning. Because maybe taste buds, the way their brains function, the way they function internally with their internal makeup, uh, to the extent that you can divide a population, which you know, Jonathan Haidt kind of did mm-hmm. do that with his, his, <clears throat> his moral taste buds. He divided conservatives and, and, and liber- liberals. It seems that that idea of feelings rather than facts is what is basically what the CIA are talking about. It's how we envision, our, how we view ourselves, how we view the world, and we're going to say, facts be damned, this is what's going to happen. These are the facts. Reality be damned, these are the facts. And that seems to be a thing that uh, seems to be more appealing or taken up more, more easily by left-leaning members of the population. No? Yeah, it's just that I'm remembering that for most of this whole CIA control period since 1963, it's been the right. That's been the bread and butter of right. the CIA support base. Right. America's wars all justified American exceptionalism, American way of life, American business, the flag, yeah. Ronald Reagan, you know, evil empire, Russia. Right. Um, it's very much... To the extent... <laughs> I mean, that works. But the thing about it is that it works when it actually has some basis in reality when you can make it a reality let's say you know what I mean uh, you say listen uh, the evil commies over there we've got to go and defeat the, defeat the evil commies in Vietnam and you go over and you do it okay it was a bit of a a, a, a balls up and that's not really what happened and it exposed the fact that that's not really what was going on that wasn't really about fighting communism it was about domination of the globe as much of the globe as possible so they always had a narrative but today they've taken I mean the conservatives okay they had their flaws when, in, in, and their delusions about you know America and policeman of the world and spreading freedom and democracy. But today it's like the same structures in government, intel agencies, deep state type Washington establishment people are pushing the idea that men are women. Sure. It's, it's, that, it's you never get a conservative to do that, but you get, you'll get liberal lefties to do that. Yeah. They'll go there. So they have more of a proclivity, less stronger proclivity to with the, how I feel can really be reality. I mean, there's scope for that, but it has limits. You can't push it too far, you know what I mean? Because you, you, there obviously is extreme versions of it where you say, I can fly, and you jump off a cliff because I feel I can fly, I'll jump, you know, and you're going to find out you can't. Yeah, yeah. No, it, for sure, it's the, it's dominant today. Like um, an, an extreme version Joint of Chiefs it. of Staff, uh, Mark Milley, you know. Yeah. yeah, we have a problem with white supremacy. Right. Definitely in this country. Dude, you are a white <laughs> patrician family <laughs> establishment general. Right. What are you going to do? Gonna yeah, yeah, it's a problem. But right. So you're going to resign? For me, he's like a dumbass who's using available yeah. terms to Does, describe he the ordinary population, black, white, right. Mexican, red. He doesn't care that that he sees as a problem because they're all Trump supporters or deplorables mm. or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, um, clown shoes... Do you want some more clown shoes examples? 
I've got a very recent one here from a few days ago. Uh, just throw that up there. People, um, this is a study. This is in Yahoo News. It's been other mainstream media news outlets, and they're happy to put this up. You know, um, it's it sounds extremely clownshoeish, um, but it's actually a bit darker and more kind of totalitarian than it seemed at first glance. Because you think that from the title, right, people who skip their COVID vaccine are at higher risk of traffic accidents, according to a new study. This is a new study published in this month in the American Journal of Medicine, like a very high-end, <coughs> peer-reviewed uh, journal. And they're actually putting this out here. They did a study, and their conclusion was that if you don't have COVID, vac- if you haven't taken a COVID vaccine, you might have a much what was it, seventy-two percent more likely to be involved in a severe traffic accidents. Now, would you think that? What do you think the reason for that is? That vaccines protect you from traffic accidents. I don't know. I can't think of it. Well, just from the title, right? Yeah. If you're vaccinated, you'll have 72% <coughs> less chance of being... Yeah, well, but the main thing I'm getting is you'll be safer if you're vaccinated from traffic accidents. Yeah, Yeah, because they protect... COVID vaccines protect against uh, impacts from other vehicles. They protect your body. Uh, no, but so they're not as stupid to, to, to put that out there. But it's, in my opinion, it's equally stupid because... Um. The actual reason they're saying that is, well, in the article it says there, of course, skipping a COVID vaccine does not mean that someone will get into a car crash. Instead, the authors theorize that people who resist public health recommendations might also neglect basic road safety guidelines. <laughs> Science. So you Science. Basically, <laughs> you're an anti-establishment anarchist if you don't get a vaccine, right? It's not based on any judicious study or observation of reality that that made you decide not to get a vaccine. It's just you're just, you have this reaction. You're reactionary, right? You're just like, no, I'm not doing whatever the government says and tells me to do. And that then bleeds over into traffic light. No, I'm not stopping at a red light. The government says I should stop at a red light. I'm going to drive through the red light. Oh, shit. So there's science for you. I mean, that's science. That's one aspect of science. That's science on display there. And we're meant to take it because it's been peer-reviewed in a reputable journal. And we're meant to take it seriously. So it's insane. It reminds me a year ago, like there was a slew of articles. Um, are unvaccinated people more likely to be psychopaths? Yeah. Yes. Why? Because they're antisocial. Right. Because they won't do what's good for everyone else. Right. Therefore, they're psychopaths. Oh, they're just smarter than you. Um. Yeah. Ding dong. Um. Do you remember... I've only got more clown shoe stuff, to be honest. <laughs> uh, trends this year, migrant flows continue yeah. like crazy. Remember we used to we talk about this and we wondered... We saw a few reports like from the World, World Bank, I think, mm-hmm. where they're talking about climate migration yeah. into the future and not you know, current. Um, and their projections for hundreds of millions of people flowing usually into Europe or North America. Mm. Um, I don't think we're there yet, but we wondered at the time if they had some kind of crystal ball, supercomputer models that were telling them that things, the climate would go kaflui to some extent and uh, force, you know, force people to seek food and shelter. Um, I don't know. We're not there yet, but um, I just looked at some stats. The U.S. hit a new record this year um, in October. So the year wasn't over yet when this statistic was compiled. NBC News 
new record migrants. This is across the southern border. Hard to tell, again, is this objectively the case? I mean, it's happened. I presume those numbers are, are real. But is it just that they're coming because consequences or because they're encouraged to by a regime that wants them to? Because there are other charts that show that, indeed, during the Trump years, it was throttled way mm -hmm. down, border crossings. Yep. So this is from last week, I think. Migrant border crossings in fiscal year 2022 topped 2.76 million, breaking previous record. Um, it's had title 42 was Trump's uh, immigration rule, which, which <coughs> throttled. I mean, he had, a, he had an actual law. They enforced. That they enforced, enforced which, was again, which, which was... Down way back in immigration, but it's coming to an end now. Uh, within the next uh, few days, I think actually, um, it's coming to an end. But of course, people that doesn't—it's not like everybody waiting at the border for it to end. I mean, they're with the change in, in administration, they figured that it wouldn't be enforced, or you know, um, in the same way it was under Trump. So, but it's officially coming uh, to an end. Um, that's that's almost one percent of the American population. Just walked over the border this year, breaking the previous annual record by more than one million. Yeah. Wow. I, that's huge. But yeah, like, like, it may, it may be small compared to what's coming. I don't know how much larger that trend is going to get. Um, the UK is, has migrant boats, one capsized this week mm -hmm. uh, in the English Channel. They're coming from France. That's, again, is it objectively the case that more people are coming into France and therefore the UK, or is it, you know, well, what do you call a them? government dispute between Paris and London? Uh, Peter Hitchens raised a good question about that. Is, is why, if you look at the route these people take, they're taking from the Mediterranean, <coughs> sometimes over Greece, uh, depending on where they land, but they're coming up through multiple countries all the way to the UK. So it's, he says it's not immigration, uh, or, or rather he says these aren't refugees. Mm. If they're refugees, they'd be stopping in the first country that they that they arrived in, but they're not. They're immigrants. They're economic migrants, yeah, uh, who are coming, landing on the shores of the Mediterranean, sometimes you know thousands of miles from the UK, and their end goal is the UK. And are they invited? And they're are they, well, they're coming through multiple countries. And somebody's. why is it just a shining city on a hill for Europe? The UK. Europe, Europe's America. Clan shoes. The British government, there were three British governments in one year. Mm -hmm. A new record. Mm -hmm. In the brief Liz Trust government, her grand plan involved opening the borders, mass migration, mm -hmm. you know, drastically lowering, well, lowering corporate taxes, bringing in migrants and rebooting the economy. So she, you know, that gave away, so to speak, explicit intention. Now, she was quickly shelved and Sunak was put in instead. Um, but it's interesting that... But in that little narrow window, mass migration was a key government part of the plan to yeah. revitalize the country. So, of course, that's going to signal out, yeah, yeah, come on, more of you come over. Um, why did you – you said there, you, th you thought that maybe there was some uh, – that there's part of the reason for migration governments encouraging migration, yeah. immigration yeah. into the country was for, because, the, because to give people – to save people? To, to save, save the migrants? No, to save the, to save the status quo ante of the ec economy. Okay. To slash wages, to drive competition among the plebs. Right. So that corporate profits keep, right. you know. Yeah, um, probably a factor. Uh, and it's translating to real-world effects. The, the two largest cities in the UK now have 
white British natives or a minority. Mm-hmm. London and Birmingham, that's new in 2022. Right. Um, how far will that go? It's just going to make, if, if everything, I mean, obviously people are talking about this year in particular, as we mentioned already, people are talking about uh, economic issues, energy issues, rising prices, etc. They're worried about, you know, there's various different people in positions of power and authority talking about, people who would know, talking about uh, economic crises, you know, inflation, that kind of stuff. Um, and there's a, an economic kind of crisis or collapse that's going to make the 1930s look like a walk in the park uh, coming very soon. Uh, if that were to happen and it would be or to be fairly bad. I can imagine that having a bunch of newly arrived immigrants, you know, in the in the, in the millions, uh, would only make things worse in that particular country. No? Yeah, yeah. You've just got far more people dependent on the system for a start. You've also got a bunch of newly, newly arrived people who aren't integrated into the community, let's say, aren't, uh, you know, maybe don't have the same values, same loyalty, same... You know what I mean? Uh, that takes a while to establish, obviously, once you arrive in a country. But, you know, I think it can just... It, it, in that, in the worst-case scenario, it only makes things much, much worse in terms of social social situation, you know. Yeah. Well, overwhelmingly, in Europe this year, um, the migration wave was Ukrainians. Right. 7.6 million Ukrainians left the country uh, 2.8 million of those went to Russia. Um, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, okay. It's I have it by country in the EU, so I don't have a total, but I think it's about 5 million throughout the European Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could get worse, of course, depending on what happens next in Ukraine. Yep. And what's going to happen next in Ukraine, Neil? <coughs> um... Come on, give us a lowdown. Get your crystal ball out. Who's going? Who's winning? Who's going to win? Who's winning in that game? Uh, Ukraine or Russia or America? <coughs> Russia. Russia. Are you sure they're not? I've read every single day for the past ten months that Russia's losing. Although they're re- losing very slowly. <laughs> uh, they keep losing every single day. I don't know how many times someone can lose before they actually definitively lose. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, people. I'm, I mean, I've talked about this before, but I'm I'm just tired of the whole Western reporting in Ukraine. It's ninety five percent lies, disinformation, misinformation has been from the very beginning. You expect that, but it's just hard to take. Um, it doesn't explain exactly what Russia's plans are, but I think in general you can always fall back in the general, or you can always fall back fall back on the the original aims as stated by the Russians with, for Ukraine, which was the demilitarization of the country. So they're going to keep going until they have as far as, you know, to the extent that they're able, they're going to continue until they have pretty much knocked out most of the Ukrainian military and then see what happens. Of course, big changes will happen in, in, in that situation, you know what I mean? There's no more uh, military capability to actually defend Ukraine. There would have to be some serious nego- negotiations <coughs> in Russia's favour. And I think that's why the, the West are pumping in weapons to try and forestall that, that day when Ukraine no longer has a capable... Uh, military force to actually defend against or attack the Russians, and when that happens, it's yeah, it's all it's all done. And obviously, that was going to take quite a long time. Uh, the Russians, I don't think, expected that it would take. They didn't expect the extent of the Western support. Let's say maybe for uh, Ukraine or the persistence of Western 
military support for Ukraine to the extent that uh, Russia is fighting more or less a NATO army in, in Ukraine. But that doesn't change the fact that ultimately that if, if Russia persists, that ultimately that uh, Ukrainian military can be downgraded to the point that it's you know only got 20 or 30 percent uh, effectiveness in terms of manpower and equipment. And at that point, it kind of collapses. And that's the job done then, you know. <clears throat> so, yeah. But um, you won't hear that analysis. That's a short <coughs> analysis, and I think it pretty much sums up the entire situation. And despite that, reams of bullshit have been pervaded by the Western media over and over again that just tell you, would suggest that it's you know, completely different, that this is the end for Putin, the end for Russia, it's over. It's, it's just pure nonsense, you know. But again, like I said many times, that's part of the war effort on, on the part of Ukraine slash NATO. That's a fully a part of information war is fully a part of the actual, you know, kinetic war. And they feel they're entirely justified in their own minds in, in telling any number of lies, as many lies as possible, that may help in degrading the morale of, say, the Russians or deg- uh, improving the morale of the Ukrainians and the NATO forces involved and also world public opinion. You know, there's a big part of this conflict is based, they believe, is based on world public opinion, that it can have a real world effect if you can switch, if you can sway opinion uh, on the side of the, the West and and uh, in terms of like, you know, improving their 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 morale and their 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 confidence and degrading that of the Russians. So you just have to suffer that bullshit. Yeah, <clears throat> no, it's not going to work. Uh, no, ultimately that's where the reality-based community doesn't really well. The reality itself, you know, exerts itself on on. And, and the, the, the empire builders or the, the empire and the reality creators uh, aren't going to, they're going to find out that that doesn't really work when you're dealing with an actual, an actual military that's capable. We, I don't know how much more we'll talk about Ukraine. We spent the whole year talking about Ukraine. In a <coughs> sense, 2022 is Ukraine and everything else peripheral to it. We've talked about how Western elites embraced it as a rationale mm-hmm. for doing what they were already doing or giving new um, uh, a new cover mm-hmm. for ongoing things like, you know, skyrocketing energy prices. Um, yeah. The U.S. got its geo- geopolitical ambitions worked out where they severed, with mm-hmm. the help of a little terrorism in Nord Stream, severed European energy connections to some extent from Russia. Um, and you know they hope their complete retooling and reorientation. Um, there's no more ambiguity. Mm-hmm. They hope in but European that, capitals, yeah. and they're all looking west now to right. Washington. That's quite east. Yeah, they're they're yeah. Americans are obviously benefiting fa- financially from that. And I mean, if that was an agenda, apart from the actual details of the war and how the war is going and what will happen in the war, if if a if a secondary agenda or it might even be the primary agenda behind the the NATO response to Russia and Ukraine was to uh, cut Europe off from Russian energy supplies and secure America's position as a dominant power in the world in, by doing that because it, you know, it focuses Europe much more, much more decisively on, on the West, on America and keeps them in their camp and that props up the American way of life, the American empire. Um, if that was, that might, be, might even have been a primary agenda, not in terms of, obviously they didn't. They did bait Russia into this 
so that may have been part of the plan all along. I don't know how far back you put it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How much credit you give to these people in terms of their long-term planning. Back in 2014, when they started arming and training the Ukrainian military as a NATO-capable military uh, in order to attack or put pressure on Russia, take back Crimea, take back Donbass, and even attack Russia. If that, if they've, if in doing that over those eight years, they actually planned for Russia, knew that Russia would ultimately respond to this force that they were amassing in Ukraine. And then when Russia did that, they would be able to cry, <coughs> evil Russia, and Europe must cut itself off from Russian supplies. Therefore, America gets, uh, achieves security. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you can, you know, credit them with that amount of foresight and planning. Maybe, I mean, it certainly fits. That's what happened. Was it all just, oh, look, this is a good idea. Oh, look, now that that's happened, maybe we should do that as well. Oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. Oh, and now that that's happened, let's do this. And all these things just work yeah. in our favour. Yeah. Oh, the, that's the, really good. The green, We're really lucky. We speculated that the Green Agenda was always a SOP, right. largely a, an American intellectual SOP, to induce people into this way of thinking such that when the boom fell and there were no more oil and gas, right. it's because, well, it comes from an evil source, which... Yep. Right. Well, you can go back way back to the beginning of global warming and the whole green, you know, getting rid of fossil fuels. Uh, to, you, could, you could credit that to people in the West realizing that the rise of Russia and China was going to be a direct threat to American hegemony and that both Russia and China as a producer and a world's largest exporter and the world's largest consumer of fossil fuels, the way to hit them is to stop using fossil fuels, force the whole world to stop using fossil fuels, to go green. But you have to put that back into the 90s then, after the collapse of the Soviet Union. That was their plan then. They saw then that the threat from Russia and China was coming, and here's what we're going to do. Let's start talking about global warming. And everything since then has followed, followed that, yeah. that course. That's probably too much. But somehow they, get, I- they, don't, they yeah. get ideas in their heads, and it comes together. Yeah. Like somebody had a plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody somewhere. Somebody somewhere. Well, I, I, let's just, for me, this... This funny commercial, which is currently airing on Russian TV, sort of sums up the situation. What was supposed to happen, they said at narrative level, in February and March this year, is that we're going to, quote, the French minister, he said, we're going to totally collapse the Russian economy. He Mm -hmm. retracted a statement when, you know, it was a Mm -hmm. little too extreme, but he did articulate what they saw. Biden said the the ruble will become rubble. We're going to collapse Russia's economy, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So 10 months later... The Russians are playing ads like this on uh, state TV. Linda Lou, Molly Lily Lou, I love you, Linda Lou. Hey. Hey. Epic trolling. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
glorious. Yeah. It's glorious. I suppose that's the Russians saying, well, if you're seriously going to head in that direction and it's to stop us, go right ahead. We'll just sit here awash in and cheap sure. energy yeah. and so much heat yeah. in our homes that we have to open yeah. the windows in winter because it's too damn hot in here, yeah. even though it's minus 40 outside. The Fine, reality, we'll yeah. laugh at you. The reality is the West, nobody in the West in positions of power are, it's only the plebes who believe the greening of the economy and, and doing well with fossil fuels. The elite in, in the West realise that they're going to continue to use fossil fuels for a long, long time in the future, you know. Uh, but the, the process they're engaged in now seems to be to deal serious blows to the economy. You know, that's what's happening anyway. And mm. like, I don't credit them with being so stupid that they don't see that, they don't realise that. They seem to have this agenda of... It's a reset, but it's not about resetting the world uh, on, on green energy and away from fossil fuels, but rather it, it seems to be maybe something to do with that economic reset that they either see is going to happen anyway as a result of all sorts of structural problems and that they're preparing the ground for for that, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't really think they know really at the end of the day what they're doing with much clarity. They're just reacting all the time um, and it's clown shoes. And on the point of clown shoes, since we started with clown shoes, we'll end with some clown shoes. And clown shoes is, this is my nominee for the next White House spokesperson. I dearly wish that this person oh. would be. This is Sarah well, we had a black Carlo. lesbian, so it's time for... She's all over the Ukraine thing. She is, she's my go-to, go-to source for uh, objective news on Ukraine. Yeah. And what's happening. From the reality have, base. Have a, have a listen here. This is, this is it. It sums it up, really, what's going on. Vladimir Putin... You are already in hell. We are counting your days down now. Your fascism, your totalitarianism will not get a monument, Vladimir Putin. Slava Ukraini. <laughs> the funny thing is just pointing to a, a, a monument that commemorates the Red Army in World War, World War II. Right. Which her new compatriots are busy tearing down yeah. when they're not yeah. torturing civilians and soldiers. Yeah. Anyway, um, if you've got nothing else, I think we'll leave it there for this week. No? Well, a bit of space news. NASA crashed a probe into an asteroid in 2022. Yeah. I heard about that in the summer. Um, so I was curious, did they succeed? Did, oh, the point of it was Moved to see if they bit. could deflect it. Moved it a wee bit. A wee bit, yeah. It didn't. <laughs> anyway. A wee bit. Come on, it did a wee bit. It was a success. We're putting that down as a success. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a highlight of twenty twenty. Yeah. That was techno- technological progress. Okay. Yeah, technology. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know what I noticed when I look back on the year, there weren't any really pronounced weather or climatic events. There were, of course, a, lot of a rain, few. A lot of flooding. But it's a lot of funny how we had gotten used to a normal where there were serious earthquakes or natural disasters in years gone by. 2022 actually... Year of the drought. It was a bad drought in Western Europe. There was a bad flood in Pakistan. There was localized extremes everywhere, of course. In, the, um, in Africa. But no major... There was an earthquake in Afghanistan. You're expecting too much. I think there's quite a lot, yeah. You're just waiting for the apocalypse. Well, I looked at the, in, the you know, insurance companies try and tabulate the costs of things. And by comparison, it was 
29 billion dollars in weather damage mm. globally in 2022 that compares with like 50 something more 100 plus billion in 2021 mm. that was a, it was a quiet compared to the year before quiet before the storm the calm before the storm yeah um yeah so are we done with 2022 what are we looking forward to next year? <clears throat> Madness. More extreme clown shoes. Uh, and um, what happens? Well, seasons. We've got to be a new. What, where do you go from clown shoes? What's the bigger name? clown shoes. They just get bigger. With a scary clown in them. The full suit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what we're looking forward to. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. It's. Uh, it's like uh, the next season. You have to wait, wait to see what's in the next season. Nazoria <coughs> says, any predictions? Come on. Any predictions for next year? What may await Russia's us and what win would be the best approach to deal with that? <laughs> what may await us and what may be the best approach? Uh, what awaits us next year is, yeah, worse. Just imagine this year, but worse. Like an uh, uh, increase of 20% more bullshit, 20% more chaos. 20% more clown shoes. 20% more inflation. 20% more inflation, more economic issues, more economic um, problems. Maybe NATO, Russia and NATO having Hot a little bit of contact, direct contact, but probably NATO forces such as they are kind of collapsing pretty quickly because they're clown shoes. And um, they're not really, their heart isn't in it at all. They're just, it's kind of like, NATO's like the, the guy behind the bully in the schoolyard, you know, going, yeah, get him, get him. But when the bully leaves, he like runs away, you know. They don't have any real commitment or they may have a bit of ability but they don't have the commitment and they don't have the unity I mean take what did you hear this year in 2022 unity of NATO yeah Russia's invasion has just massively increased Russia, NATO unity uh, it hasn't it's, it, it's, it's unchanged in, in its disunity I mean NATO is can't, it's not America's united in terms of the deep state but that's it there's no unity among thieves and that's yeah. what NATO is uh, so forget about NATO being any kind of an that's why force they, against... That's they, uh, they ran up the, the idea, Petraeus, of a coalition of the willing. Right. And NATO within NATO. Yes. Yeah. we can't get the whole Ex of NATO. Exactly, yeah. And they're not prepared. They haven't fought wars, uh, especially European NATO countries, just are, are clueless. They're, they're, they're no match for, for the Russian military. So, uh, yeah, maybe something along those lines. Definitely economic foobar next year, especially next winter. I mean, that's a year away, but next winter is going to be a tough one for a lot of people. Um but we'll survive and it'll continue on and you're just going to have to steal yourself for more nonsense, more ridiculous, more lies, more disinformation, all presented as the truth. Uh, so you just have to flip it on its head in most cases. But yeah, just keep uh, keep watching, keep uh, keep your eyes on the skies, keep your eyes on the ground, keep your eyes on all of the shenanigans and just pay attention and don't believe any of it too hardly. Um, and yeah, wait and see what comes. Okay. Okay. So have a good Christmas, everyone. Thanks for watching, listening, commenting. Uh, don't get too inebriated or don't eat too many goodies because it'll make you feel bad um, and you might regret it. And the new year will be here before you know it and we'll be into it before you know it. So fasten your seatbelts. It's going to get rocky. See you next year. Bye, See ya. Thanks for watching. Happy New Year. Can't stop the signal now.